Dr. Vic Manzo grew up Roman Catholic Italian and was not allowed to question anything. And then at 19, he set away from home and he began exploring the world and he started questioning everything. And the more he questioned, the more questions he had. And today he is a certified pediatric chiropractor as well as a Reiki master trainer, as well as the author of two amazing books, as well as the creator and host of The Mindful Experiment. And today he's going to talk to us about our own mindset regarding our health. Join us to hear more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to what's really happening. Be You know, the thing is not the thing. It's one of the things I've learned and I often say that to people, the thing is not the thing. So like whatever you think the thing is, the real thing is beyond that thing. So you've got to actually look under it, around it, over it, through it to see what's actually causing the thing in your life. You know, and there's, um, you know, we're, we're trained to just look directly at the thing and go, well, that's the thing. But is it? Because those of us who ventured beyond just the thing and went underneath it and around it and over it and through it, we found out something else. And that thing led us to, you know, a lifetime without pills, for example, in my case. Hmm. How did that happen? Carrie Hummingbird was taking, you know, these SSRI pills for 13 years because I was told that was the solution to my great happiness and overcoming my very broken psychology. And then I was like, hmm, I think there's something else here. And I started looking deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I found a pathway to healing. And guess what? I haven't taken any medicines, no pharmaceutical medicines for the last 10 years. And I'm doing pretty good, actually. Here I am with the number one international selling book, number one international selling book for 106 weeks now, growing and I'm doing pretty great with my business. So my family life's awesome. Got an awesome partner and loving relationship with my mother that I never had before when I was taking those pills. And uh, it's just kind of interesting how that all happened. And so, yeah, I invite you to another exploration. And today we're going to have a really interesting conversation with my friend, Dr. Victor Manzo. Welcome, Vic. It's excited to be here and excited to have a combo with you and be on your show. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you have to say. So Dr. Vic is a certified pediatric chiropractor, certified chiropractic wellness practitioner, transformational mindset coach, inspirational speaker, influential author, and a Reiki master trainer. He's the author of two books, Rediscover Your Greatness and A Walk in the Dark. Dr. Vic is the creator and host of The Mindful Experiment, and I've actually got an episode coming up on his uh, show, so I'll put a link uh, in the show notes to that if I'm able to. And his podcast is all about things related to mindset. Uh, they got over 24,000 downloads per month. It's awesome. People are interested <laughs> to go beyond the thing. Dr. Vic, right? You want me to call you Vic or Victor? What do you, what do you want? Yeah, it don't matter to me. Whatever works for you. Okay. Whatever's easier. So Vic, tell me. 
Where did you begin your own wake up process? Um, my wake up process started, you know, when I was 19 years old and I went to, was moving away to go to Arizona state and it was really more of a self-discovery. I chose to go far away to challenge myself to, I come from an Italian family. So mama's boy, you know, been with my family all the time, every week having Sunday dinner at grandma's. I mean, that's just, that was my life up to that point. And I said, I need to get out of this. I need to see something different. I need to experience something different. So I went to Arizona, which was about three and a half hours on a flight. I'm, I live in Chicago. And it was one of those things where I started challenging things before I couldn't challenge. I couldn't ask questions uh, religious wise, because being Italian Roman Catholic, the grown up that way, I was just like, this just never, something always in my stomach never settled. It wasn't right. Something just wasn't right with what I was learning, but I couldn't ask questions. Anytime I did, I always got shame and guilt. So I was like, okay. But once I moved away, I was able to have my own exploration, start to ask questions and start to seek and look for research and try to say, okay, what's the truth? I can study other religions and not be shamed by that. So I started that journey and it was an eye-opening experience to see what I learned through Buddhism and Hinduism. And, you know, all I tied, tied all those together. It was like, okay, is there a commonality to the stories? Is there a certain message? And is what I really feel about, you know, the heaven and hell and Satan and, and everything that the, the Catholics teach, is there something else? Is there something deeper? And there's just something missing. And I started to see things over time. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And when I started that journey, it opened my eyes to say, well, if this is what's happening here, and I've been told this all my life, what else in my life that I've been told that may not be true? And I started to look at other facets of my life and saying, okay, well, how about in my health? Or how about in this or X, Y, Z? And I started to challenge the system. And it just Every time I did, it was never what I thought it was or what I was told. And there was always something deeper. And I was just like, oh my goodness, there's there's more to this. So there's this is not what I was told it was. And there's there's other mechanisms behind, maybe an agenda, maybe a motive, or maybe just not giving people information. And that's where when I got into chiropractic school, everything blew up because I got to see the biggest thing, which was health and how health is really manipulated in the sense to have control where we don't share what true health really is and how giving people that power to understand how you have a choice, you have a healing, you're designed to heal, your genes are designed to heal, your body wants to be healthy, you're, you have something in your brain called the default brain that's literally the setting in your brain that keeps your body optimally functioning through the nervous system and so much more. And so when I started to learn this, then I just, from what I learned at 19, seeing things in that realm, all of a sudden it took me in a whole nother path from the health world and I studied everything I possibly could from the medical system to big pharma, to you name it, all the way through holistic to Reiki to energy healing. I wanted to know all that I could so I could really grasp the whole picture. And then so I can understand more holistic healing. So that was kind of my journey. That was the beginning. Those were the big ahas for me that really put me on the path now to where, like you were saying, the thing is not really the thing. I've learned in life that nothing is ever what it seems to be. N absolutely nothing. And I, when I, even when I think it's something, I go deeper in and I'm like, Haha, it got me again. All right, cool. Well, let's, let's learn here. And that's kind of been my journey so far. Yeah, that's awesome. And the fact that you, you said you wanted to learn everything you could possibly learn about it and you wanted to expand your mind, right? So a lot of times what we see happening, and I see it in all communities, like I see it in the lightworker community, I see it in, you know, mainstream sort of ideology, where it's like, we just want to, we just want information that confirms what we already know. And the path of power is actually to embrace it all, right? To go through what's called cognitive dissonance, and I'm sure you, you know about that, 
to go through the cognitive dissonance to like research and understand different perspectives and different information and then have that holistic view you talked about, which is way more empowering than like trying to stay focused in one narrow area of belief. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I think one that's one of the things where, you know, I, I always wanted to learn both sides of the story. You know, there's always two coin, there's two sides of every coin. And it's one of the things like coming from the chiropractic world, we've been very attacked by the medical system for over since our existence in 1895. I mean, we've been a threat to the system. And we've they've jailed chiropractors in the 40s and 50s saying we don't practice without a license. Then they had this whole thing about doctors will tell their patients, they're literally trained in school in some schools. Don't quote me on this, but I, it, when I was in school 10 to 15 years, about 12, 12, 15 years ago, they were still teaching this where like, if you go t- let your patients go to a chiropractor, they're going to harm and kill them, which there's no research to back that up, but they were creating false claims about us. And it's one of the things where, you know, for me, I could have got very angry. I could have got very upset when it came to that perspective, but I want to understand medicine and its purpose too, because one thing I learned in life, everything has a purpose. If it didn't have a purpose, it wouldn't exist. That's a universal principle. Nothing exists uh, out of a desire. It's always a need. And so I was like, okay, well then I have to look and understand why is something there and what's the purpose so that I can really understand the whole aspect of things. Cause like you're like in today's world today, we're so polarized in so many ways that we don't like, even if I, I talk to someone who is 100% solid on you know, their position and they're not open to anything else, I'm still going to be curious and say, okay, now why are they closed-minded? Why won't they want to learn more? What, what is it about them in their life? That's, what, is it a fear? Is it a worry? Is they, you know, because there's something about them that's keeping them in that state rather than saying they're evil or they're this type of person. Let me throw a label on them. Let me create the divide. Instead, it's like, I want to understand the person so we can understand their mechanisms and their mindset and how they're seeing things. Because once we can do that, we can come closer to understanding, even if we totally disagree. And I have medical doctors who I respectfully would be like, I 100% disagree with what you're saying. But at the essence, that's your opinion. You have your right. And just like, I have my right. Let's just leave it there then if we can't come to an understanding. But it's for me, it was always, I wanted to know the deepest layer of what's going on. So that the better I do that, the better I can explain things to my patients, to people in the public, to have a deeper understanding of what may go on. May it be in health, may it be in energy healing, maybe even mindset. That's even the other avenue I went down because when I got into chiropractic and started my business, you're always told like, this is how successful it is. This is what you have to do to be a successful chiropractor. Here's what you have to do, right? It's kind of the telling that I grew up with, like, this is your path and this is what you have to do. And I did that and, and and it helped, but it didn't get me to the fulfillment side I wanted to get to or into the levels where I wanted to get to. And then I had to understand and break the mold and say, well, what's my path? What's my journey? What is it I want to create? And going down that path really created more fulfillment for me uh, because I was bringing my essence to the world, which is what, you know, as which I teach everybody or I work with people, I try to get them to do that because we need a lot of that in this world today. You know, one thing that you said I want to bring us back to is you said you'll have conversations with medical doctors who will give you their, you know, their opinion, right? And you, and you said you called it an opinion. Now, I think a lot of people in a lot of people's mindsets, they think if it comes out of a doctor's mouth, it's just a fact. Like if it comes out of a doctor's mouth, it's an, a fact instead of an opinion. But I've been actually looking deeper underneath this and for myself and going, huh, because that's interesting because I had a doctor tell me like as a licensed psychotherapist psychiatrist or whatever, tell me that my only path to healing in life was to take this pill the rest of my life, you know, and that that I was essentially broken and that the only thing that was going to make me like culpable to deal with would be to have this pill. And at some point I had enough of that. Like I was like, I don't, I'm not buying that. Like, I think there's something else. 
And I started going and I learned from the Four Winds Light Body School and a lot of other shamanic teachers. I started studying different things. Like I'm sitting in a room with Bruce Lipton presenting to the audience and Dr. Alberto Villaldo and Greg Braden and all these luminaries in the transformation space. And I'm in this audience surrounded by people that are like microbiologists and neuroscientists. And I mean, I, and I'm, I'm in the middle, right? Like just a, a mom, you know, that had this diagnosis and wants to heal. And I'm like, wow, like you're telling me that I'm bigger than this. Like I'm not what I think I am and that I have a pathway to healing. So that's just a context to say that what I've realized, I believe, and I want your, I want your opinion on it, is I think it's the underlying foundational beliefs that drive how we look at science. So if we believe that we show up in this world unequipped to deal with life, and that we need something supplemental outside of ourselves to even stay alive on this planet. That's one perspective, right? That would drive a whole lot of research and science and everything else, a perspective that would form from that underlying belief versus if we have a belief that our body has everything we need inside of it and that being part of this earth is automatically our birthright and that we're healthy right from the get-go. If we have that perspective, we have another whole set of conclusions we're going to draw. So Isn't science really starting off with some premise, some idea, and then building on that? Yeah, I mean, science is always changing, right? That's why I get very annoyed when you hear the public say, oh, science is settled. No, that's not science in its essence. The philosophical aspect of science is you test something, you continue to test it, and you keep testing it until it's not true anymore, or unless it is true and becomes a law, and then you keep going. But if it's not, then you you prove that it isn't, and you continue to learn. Where, you know, when you're hearing in the public, when it comes to like COVID or other things like that, oh, the science is settled already. This is very common when it comes to vaccines. In the vaccine world, they'll say, well, the vaccines work, the science is settled. But hold on, that's not true. We need to challenge that. Because if you're not challenging things, then things don't get better. Then it allows it to kind of escape a little bit and have a way to, it's like politicians. If we don't challenge our politicians, well, this is like, then you get a very crappy government. And so you always have to challenge the things. And that's what science does. It's like, oh, this works. Okay, let's see how that works. Let's look at that. But you brought up something that was really powerful too, and it's beliefs. When you have a belief to something, that's going to determine your behaviors, right? If you believe that you are fragile, this is what most medical systems, I don't know about the new medical doctors coming out in the world now, can't speak for them. But I know the normal medical model is that, well, you're broken in some way, and we have to give you a chemical to alter that to fix you. And if it doesn't work, then this is your life. You're broken. It's your genes. That's the parameters of how they they go. Or you can go more holistic. And I I had this upbringing with my mom because she was very, uh, she was a fitness instructor. And I always saw her take supplements. I seen her exercising all the time. And I was just like, it should be like, no, we, when you're sick, you go and take these horse pills. I could not stand. They almost made me throw up just smelling them. And she's like, you got to take certain teas. You got to take care of yourself. Here's natural herbs you're going to take. And we're going to help your body heal naturally. But that built a belief system and you say, I don't need a drug. I don't need medicine. I need something natural that's going to help me. And so then you have that belief system, then your behavior becomes that. And you look at it saying, well, my body has, I just need to support it. And so it really comes down to that perspective. And, and when you look at doctors, when they talk about science, you always people have to realize that you always got to remember who's informing them. Because a lot of, in this world we live in today, anybody can come up with a study Anybody, you can create a study for anything and you can manipulate it any way you want. A lot of stats are manipulated in many ways to portray to the public because the public is not taught to how to read research. So they just see a study and they say, oh, the study said this, so it must be true. 
But I always tell people, trust someone or somebody who knows how to read studies. That way they can read through the methodology, the processes. How did they do the study? What was the pluses and minuses? Because when you really get into the bottom of it, you can't cover that part up and you'll all of a sudden go, this is a crappy study. Or who's funding the study? I always tell patients when I teach them about science studies, I always tell them, if pay attention who funds it first, because if you got a pharmaceutical company or even it doesn't have to be pharmaceutical, let's say we do a study on milk and the whole milk industry is funding it. You can't trust that study because there's too much financial interest. So it's one of those things where I look at when it comes to the whole perspective of things. And, you know, again, if we're not challenging the system, then we're going to end up having a crappy system just like in anything else. Yeah, thank you so much, because that's true. I mean, the research studies are, first of all, they're hard to access, they're hard to interpret, and it's hard to know which ones to trust and believe. And so is it no wonder that most people without this kind of background, they go on what they see on the news, because they may also make an assumption that what they're seeing on the news is factual, because doesn't that what reporters do? They go out and they look for factual information, and then they're supposed to report it back to you on this really factual, neutral broadcast. But like you said, then if that television station has a major advertising revenue coming from pharmaceutical companies, doesn't that create kind of an uncomfortable situation for the station managers to decide what what things to reveal on the television news and what stories to kill? I mean, it's kind of like it's suspect to be in my mind. That's how I think I go. Wow, that's being funded by by this company. And so now, of course, they're not going to publish any data about that. That's that's, you know, because that would be bad PR. Oh, totally. I mean, if you look at funding and just the major more media corporations, 93 percent of their, their ads come from big pharma. So they have to share things that only support their big funder who are paying for these ads. I mean, you look at like with COVID, what doctor talked about on mainstream media talked about vitamin D or zinc or talked about other things outside what they've been pushing this whole entire time. And that goes on either spectrum of the news. You can look at CNN or you can look at Fox News. They're both pushing the same thing, regardless of their agendas and how they they share the news. And it comes down to like, you know, and then, of course, we start talking about this. And then this episode is labeled conspiracy theorists, right? (laughs) And I like to call it savvy human being looking at people dynamics and how money influences things you know, rather than conspiracy, it's like, why don't we just like actually look, I mean, I've been in marketing, let's say that. So I've been in high tech in marketing and I have been in those private conversations about the technology. I've been in those private conversations where the executive leadership's trying to figure out how to spin something that a competitor is saying. And so then we're going to put out some information marketing in order to spin people towards our perspective and away from the competitor. And so I'm aware about spin and how marketing works. And I'm not in a in one of these companies, these pharmaceutical companies, although I do have clients that work in them at director level. So I do know people that are in the industry. <laughs> this is the other thing is like, is like labeling people, right? Like if you're not willing to listen, then don't listen. But if it's nagging in the back of your head that you actually should have listened to that, then maybe you should go back and listen to it and see what pieces you can take out of it for yourself, right? I mean, this is really... I believe we're in a time of sovereignty, Vic. I feel like we're being called up to sovereignty. We're being called up to find our own answers, to figure out in our own way how we know what to trust and not not to trust. So what's some information you share with your people about how they figure that out? For me, I mean, like, for, so a lot of times when I share stuff, I will go through, let's say it's a, a study. I'm trying to think of like, uh, there's a few of them I can go down the path, but let's talk about like, let's say colloidal silver. 
when COVID first came out, I said, okay, what kind of virus is Clodos? I mean, what kind of virus is COVID? And COVID was a single RNA virus. I said, oh, great. Colloidal silver should work. For those who don't know what colloidal silver is, it's something we used back in 1900. What it was is they used to, it's silver. Silver is naturally an antibiotic, it's antifungal. And so it kills up to 650 different types of single RNA viruses uh, and bacteria. And so what happens is, is when you see a virus that's a single RNA, most of the time, colloidal silver is going to stop the respiratory effect of that replicating aspects to the virus. So that was just a theory at the time. And I told patients, I'm like, this could work. Don't know for sure, because I have no financial interest. I always tell people, would you trust someone who has financial interest as what they're sharing? Or would you trust someone who doesn't? I, when I share my information, I have no, what, what if I tell a patient that, would, I mean, besides selling colloidal silver, which I don't make much off anyhow, it's just educating. But then a study came out and I looked at the study. It lined up with everything that was true. Or, you know, so when it comes to certain things, it's, I kind of, show like, what are ways that you can look at a study? Don't buy always number one, look who funds it. That's the first thing. So you can disseminate right off the bat um, what that is. And then the second thing is, I mean, it's kind of tough to look at like methodologies and process, especially when you're reading words that are very big and long and all these hyphenations and all that. But it's it's knowing that like, for me, I try to be that filter for my patients and, and people I share this with is like, hey, here's the big part of the study that you want to focus on. So I help them kind of just see what needs to be seen, not trying to cover up anything else. That's kind of the ways I kind of do things. But when you're looking at studies overall, you always want to make sure that the first thing is going to be the financial interest that, that you want to get that out of the bat right off the bat. And then the second thing, what are they trying to accomplish? Because like the gold standard in medicine for studies is randomized control, a double blind randomized control study. And that's, that's the gold standard of how they test. And so what happens is, is that you can take something, let's say, for example, uh, in one of my trainings, we talked about this, like water. We all know water is really good for plants, right? But you can use the study. This is how they manipulate. They can use a study and take wilting plants and they can give it water. They can give a wilting plant and then give it nothing. And then they'll have a, another group where they can do, I don't know, oranges or something. And what they'll do is they'll look at each study, or let's say one gives water and one doesn't get water. Does water help the plant? And so when they look at these wilting plants, at the end of the study, they can go, well, guess what? At the end of the study, we found out only 20% of the plants got better with water. And that's not really a high enough significant statistic to show that it does help. So we know based on our study, water does not help with plants. It's not good for, it doesn't help plants thrive. And they can do the same study with sunlight. They can do the same study with nutrients and all that. And that's how with that methodology, they can disprove something just like, you know, whatever you want to I can go a whole down a whole path, but there's there's tons of things that they use that for to counter things that work. And they and again, just looking at the methodology and things like that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I happen to know about the intention experiment. And you know, Suzanne Taggart, I believe, or Lynn McTaggart, Lynn McTaggart, right, wrote that book, The Intention Experiment. And what's interesting about that, and this is what I started learning when I started practicing and studying at the Four Winds Life Body School, energy medicine, which is an emerging technology, right? We're, we're learning about this. Of course, it's an ancient technology. All the indigenous <laughs> people know about this already. But anyway, back to our Western conquering of all technologies, you know, this idea in the quantum space that your attention on something with an intention actually can manifest that outcome in real time you know? 
And she's proven it through her experiments that she did, that this is what happens, that things are all connected and that when you have an intention, it influences the thing you're placing the intention on. <laughs> Even when pieces of a, the same plant are divided across different parts of the, the globe, one way over here, the other one way over here, both getting the same result from the same intention. It's kind of mind blowing. So add that into your conversation now with research. Uh, Dr. Um, <laughs> I mean, intention is everything. I mean, it's what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, that sets the tone for the vibration for the existence of that experience, right? I mean, even just like the observer effect, when they did that in the quantum physics experiment, the, the slit experiment, double slit experiment, I think it's called, where, you know, they, they had an intention of just seeing what does this particle, uh, what light does? Is it a wavelength? Is it a particle? What's going to happen? And what was interesting when they weren't looking, it was wavelength, which means that's infinite potential. There's, it can be anything. And then when they did look for the particle, they would see that they saw the particle and they saw, they noticed how their influence on that because their intention was looking for that. Then other studies where they looked at like electron spins, they want to know which way they just see this big electron cloud. And they're like, okay, I want to see which way the electron spins. Does it spin to the left or does it spin to the right? When they set their intention looking for it, say, okay, I think this is going to be spinning to the right. They look, that's what they got. Then like, wait a minute, let's go look at, I think it turns left. Let me look. Well, now it's left, but let me go back to right. And they kept doing this and they're like, wait a minute, we're, how are we influencing this? And so intention plays that whole role in all that. So when it comes to research, what's the intention of the researcher? What are they trying to accomplish? And that was kind of thing with the plant study, right? We can make plants look bad. We can make water look bad. Well, my intention is to disprove that water is beneficial to the plant. And then once you can do that, that's how they manipulate the public. And then, it, then how do they sway people a certain way? Well, hey, we have research that have shown that, let's say it's this medication that's going to help you with XYZ chronic condition. Because to be truthful, and I say this many times before, big pharma is in the business for sick care. And what that means is they're in the business to not solve problems because there's no money in that. Healthcare, true health is not a money where you make lucrative amounts. In sick care, that's where lucrative money comes. I mean, you look at all these big pharmaceutical companies, they make multi, multi billions. I mean, Moderna, a struggling company, is now going to be making, I forgot what their estimates are. They made over 2.8 billion in sales, and they're going to be looking at, I think, like 30 or 40 billion and within a year, a year and a half. You know, when it comes to that sick care model, that's where the intention of all these things is to disempower the human, in my opinion. Based on all the research of all the years of what I've been studying, it's the whole purpose. And they do this in religion. They do this in medicine. They do this in different aspects is how do we disempower the human to depend on the system? And this is what they do. Because once you do that, once you can get the human, right? With the, they have an intention to, this is, this is just me, my opinion. Don't take it for a grain of salt. Again, it's just all the research I've done is that if we can get them dependent on the system, now we have in, and perpetual money coming. This is where medications are. Back in the 1950s, they didn't do perpetual medications where all of a sudden you take one, you got to take this for the rest of your life, right? You probably were told the same thing with your antidepressants, right? You said that this is the only way you can solve it. Well, if I get, well, then as a patient, you're like, okay, well, I don't want to have this experience. If this is what it is for me, then I take this and I have to take it for how long? Well, the rest of your life, you're going to have to keep that going. That's the communication that's being shared now. I mean, I have patients of mine. I just had a patient just recently. She had some really severe liver on that liver. She had rib pain going on and she was getting all these tests done. And I said, let me just see if it's your ribs. It could, rib, the way she was showing her pain, I was like, most likely this could be a rib thing if there's something there. If it's subluxated, mis, if it's misaligned, it can cause that type of pain. If not, it's probably your liver. So made the adjustment. I said, let me know you're on your next visit. You should feel some relief. It may come back, but it shouldn't be as much. She comes back. She's like, it was good for a day, but it came back. It's the same thing. I can't sleep at night. It's around this time. I was like, it's your liver. 
all she had her gallbladder checked, all these scans, all this stuff. Nobody, everyone said, well, everything shows clear. Your blood's fine. Everything's fine. I was like, it's your liver. She goes, how do you know? You're telling me it's your liver, my liver, but yet the medical system saying there's nothing wrong with me. I said, well, you still have something going on. And based on what you're telling me, here's where referral pain goes, which means sometimes if you have like a, like a gallbladder issue, it can affect your right shoulder. And so I was like, let's just, here's what I recommend for you to do. And then I want you to do this for at least a month. I tested her out, make sure what she needed. And all of a sudden, uh, about a weekend, it dropped about 20%, two weeks, 50%. By the end of the month, she had no more pain. She goes to see a specialist, a liver specialist, tells her what she did. And the liver specialist is like, no, that, that's going to damage your liver. That's not good for you because she was taking milk, this and some other herbs. And then she now is like, eventually you want to do a liver detox once you cleanse this because you got a lot of congestion in the liver. And he's like, liver detoxes are horrible. And so here's a medical doctor, right? A specialist, one of the top, I get this all the time. I'm going to the top specialist in the you know in the state or in the area and they'll poo-poo things like this. And then I'm always like, well, let's understand where's our, where's our information coming from? What studies? This is what I always recommend. Ask what studies are showing to. Instead, I'm not going to ask you to read the studies. You give me the study. I'll tell you what, what is good or bad about it. And then from there, let's see what we, how much nutrition experience do they have? Because doctors, medical doctors don't get any nutrition experience, if anything. I hope I'm answering the question with all this, but no, yeah, it's a lot of shocking stuff. I'm sure to people, I, it's not shocking to me, but I think anybody listening who hasn't been down this road themselves with some kind of immune challenge or something like that, where the medical system said, well, we don't know, but take this pill, you know, and it's because they don't look deep enough. They don't, they just look at the thing, they put a pill on it and then they walk away. Well, it's just like with statin drugs or, I mean, my, my specialty in my office is pediatrics because there's a whole industry in pediatrics. They've been trying to get the pediatrics for the longest time. And now they did me besides the vaccines. Not that I'm an anti-vaxxer, so don't put that label on me. I'm uh, just to clarify, I am pro-science. I study these things in and out and all these other aspects, but, but even medications, I can't tell you how many times baby's constipated, boom, Miralax. And I have patients come in six, eight months with Miralax. I'm going, did your doctor educate you on how long they should be actually on that drug? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, go read the, I'm not going to tell them and I know it, but I'm like, go read the insert and see how long they're supposed to be on this drug for. And then when they're supposed to take a break, because sadly these kids are on it for such a long time, way beyond what they're supposed to. And it's like, have they talked about other opportunities? What about nutritionally? I mean, chiropractic is what I do first. And then, you know, then we'll, if it doesn't clear out on its own, then we're like, okay, we got to add some other things besides the nerve, focusing on the nervous system. But it's one of the things where, you know, it just becomes this, this kind of thing where it's a blanket thing. And, and then they get these kids. I mean, it's sad when I see certain kids on like five, six drugs, I'm just like, oh man, this is a developing nervous system. This is a developing body. What does that do? And all these other things when it comes to that. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's each person's journey, you know, and it's each person's journey of, of what, of deciding what information you're going to consume and let lead your life. And I'm about empowerment. I empowered myself and I hope to empower other people to start tuning into, you know, I, I like to call it plug into mother earth, like plug back in to the bigger, the bigger thing that you are realize you're, you're more than just this little body in this, in this experience and realize that you've been programmed, you know, and that's an uncomfortable thing for people to realize like how programmed we've all been by the belief systems of our parents, by the belief systems of our culture, by advertisements on TV, by these um, regulations, you know, like, for example, I, you know, you talked about not being anti-vax, you know, I, when I was a young mother, I didn't know anything about it. So I, you know, I did what they said. I brought my baby in and held my baby while they put all kinds of vaccines in my baby that I didn't even know what they did. And I trusted that that was for the best, 
you know, of my child. And, you know, I certainly at this point, I'm not going to um, go back and say, make any stories about it not being the best because they're in my kids, you know, so I'm, I have no desire to like discredit or make stories about vaccines being terrible because they're inside my loved ones. And so I would like to see them be effective. And at the same time, you know, I, I have severe concerns about all of it. I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, even as a mom, I mean, I work with a lot of moms, I work with a lot of kids. And it's one of the things where some moms are like, I want to do delayed, or I, I don't want my kids to have the shot. And then they go to a pediatrician and then they put the terror of fear. They'll come back. And I already, I can, when they walk in the room, I look at them and I'm like, okay, I got to take a moment here because I already know they've been shamed. They've been guilted. That's something they're a bad mom. How dare you threatening diseases to your child to expose them to. And it's just like, whoa, hold up here for a second. Let's, let's have a real conversation on this. Like if you choose that, that's your choice if you want to do that. But it, there's so much misinformation when it comes to that. Honestly, I had vaccines when I was a kid, but you know, it's one of the things where um, my mom didn't know any better. She looks at it now and goes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. You know, now of what I learned over the years, but I didn't know back then. I was just a new mom. We did what we were told to do and that was it. And then as, you know, as I got more into health and, and, and sharing stuff with her, she was just like, I would never, you know, do that again. What's in them? You know, just knowing that alone, I, I'm not, that does, that makes me uncomfortable or, you know, different aspects to it. But it, and again, it's all to, it's your own. That's why I'm pro science. And what I mean by that is, is that I always tell people I have no, I'm not against any vaccine. Here's the thing. If you can tell me that we can show by science and proof short-term, long-term effectiveness and safety, and be able to know that it helps truly give you long-term immunity, like a natural acquiring an infection, uh, naturally acquiring it in the exact same way. And we can show that through studies and every clean, good studies. I'm good. Then it sounds good. But until then, no, I mean, that's, that's my, I've, from what I've seen and the research I see, it, 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 it may have some short-term benefits, but long-term, I have not seen anything long-term at all. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, looking for that data and looking for that supporting evidence is challenging given all the things we've already mentioned. And so my audience, a lot of people are like on the fence or they're already decided, you know, I don't want this chemical warfare in my body. An interesting thing that I want to say about that is because, again, I'm not making stories because I love my children and my mother and they all have the vaccine, right? So I, I shy away from any kind of doomsday stories about things like that because I want them to be healthy. And so therefore that thing better be working, you know, because <laughs> it's in my family and I want them to survive. But what I want to say is that I'm very encouraged by epigenetics and what you know, epigenetics reveals to us is that we can actually heal our heal. Our bodies are replacing cells, you know, every seven years. So we're like a completely new person every seven years. And so if you start making a choice today to have a whole new lifestyle, you know, in seven years, you're going to be a different person if you stick with it. You know, it's like new, new food choices, learning about your microbiome, which is why I love Dr. Zach Bush and all the research he's done, you know, with all of the attacks and being called a kook and everything else. He still moves on doing his work and looking deeper to find the root cause and to bring healing to it. And so I'm, I'm in favor of doctors like yourself that are willing to explore everything and actually find the root cause of it and bring healing to it. Because when we actually learn the things we need to sustain ourselves in, in immune support, we, then you live a life without pills and, and shots. Isn't that an awesome idea? Yeah, I mean, when we have the potential to do it, we've done it before. You know, like back in the day, my mom used to have measles parties. And, you know, the thing about her now is they found out that people who acquired measles naturally on their own actually have anti-cancer benefits now in their immune system. Here's some new studies that are coming out showing like, hold on, wait a minute, we may be doing this wrong. 
And it's one of the things where you look at like chickenpox, for example, right? That's a big vaccine that's out now for kids. And when you look at it, well, it works, right? Kids don't get chickenpox, but guess what they do get? Look at the high rise of shingles. Just look at the stats of shingles because we're going against natural. We're going against the way nature was designed. And so I, I like chicken pox as an example, because I had, I went to a chicken, I had chicken pox as a kid. Me too. Um, right. Great thing to have a little scratchiness, nothing going to be, you're fine. Nothing. You'll, you'll survive it. But what happens is, is that now when I have children and when my children have chicken pox, my immune system is going to pick up and know, Hey, chicken pox is still around. Guess what? We're going to recreate that immunity and we're going to build it up for another 25 to 35 years. And then when I become a grandparent, I get exposed to chicken pox again. Guess what? My immune system remembers this. It's a, it's a living, intelligent being. So all of a sudden it goes, hey, the that chicken pox virus, yeah, it still exists. So we're going to go ahead and continue that immunity for another 25 to 35 years. And guess what? That's where shingles will drop like crazy. I'm not going to say shingles would not happen uh, because you can never guarantee anything in health. But what it will do is minimize the chances of that. Because I hear a lot of times, if you just, you can Google this, the Google won't will not block you on this. They will, you can Google less, like how early people are getting shingles and you're seeing a massive rise. And in our community, we're like, like, just like Zach Bush, we look back and we go, all right, so what are we doing that's messing with nature, how nature was designed? And what are the influences that are creating this problem? Because when you start asking those questions, you will find those answers and you'll be like, oh man, we've been doing this backwards or we've been doing this wrong. And I don't like to say the word wrong, but it's just, we're going against a system that's been existing for millions upon millions of years, billions of years that has done it right all this time. And yet now in the last 150, 100, 150 years, we're kind of going, no, humans are flawed. Genetics are the issue. Here's what we need to do to help them with their immune system because the vaccines are the only thing that help. That's why they call them well visits. This is, I can go down a whole psychological aspect when it comes to the health world and how they use terms like healthcare. That it's sick care. It's not healthcare, but that's a whole other topic. But it's one of the things where you look at, I always look at how, how did nature do things? How does, you know, how does animals do things? And then what are we doing that's going against the grain? And when we do that, I usually say that's the problem right there. And I'll start studying, okay, what we should do. And that's why, like, for example, with kids, you know, if, if, if like there's a whole attack on breastfeeding moms, like why we're, we're attacking moms on breastfeeding. We can't use the word natural. It's actually in a parent magazine. This is not my opinion whatsoever. They were saying we shouldn't say breastfeeding is natural because it makes it seem like formula is breastfeeding is better than formula. And I'm like, there is every study in the world to show breastfeeding is better than formula. Uh, and I can, I'll share one with your listeners. Breastfeeding is so amazing that when a, we, they've done studies where they actually took like a baby's feeding. So there's this beautiful communication system on the nipple and the, basically the areola has special receivers, receptors to pick up on the saliva to know what the baby needs. And they've done studies where they tested the breast milk during feeding and they've seen changes in carbs, proteins, and fats during the time at the instant moment. No formula can do that. No formula can do that. You know, Dr. Fick, I'm so glad you brought that up because that truly was the moment I started realizing that I was more than I thought I was, is when I became a mom and I'm breastfeeding my babies and they're growing off only my breast milk. There's no outside food. My kids are like, I'm feeding them from my breast and my body is helping them to grow. That blew my mind wide open. And then I, I also faced all the things like you're not supposed to breastfeed in public or blah, blah, blah. And I sat at the, they wanted me to go in the bathroom in a dirty place and feed my kid. I was like, no, I'm feeding my kid at the dining room table in a restaurant. And if you don't like it, don't look. Yeah. Not my problem. You know, 
I've been feisty for a while, if you hadn't guessed. So, you know, isn't it about running experiments? You know, it's like, if you're being told something that doesn't feel true to you, it feels to me like be courageous enough to run an experiment on it. Like, for example, I went in, I'm approaching menopause or in it, you know, somewhere in the nebulous territory of that. And I, my thyroid has been a little out of whack. And I got my blood, t- I got all my numbers tested and everything looks great, except my thyroid is, you know, is, was too high back in May. And I got referred to one of these specialists you're talking about, right? This thyroid doctor person. And he's telling me, well, you know, diet, you know, your diet, exercise, all of that. They're saying in the industry, that's just all lies. It's not going to work. This is what he flat out told me in a session. And I know better because I, <laughs> I've done my own work. You know, like I'm, I'm, I've listened to people like amazing people and followed the advice. So I said, okay, Carrie, it's time to get back and be honest with yourself. And so when I left that session, I said, you know what, Carrie, you've been eating a lot of sugar. <laughs> you've been eating dessert every night for like five years because you got this new husband who's hot and he likes to eat dessert. Eating fried food. Come on, be honest, Carrie. Drinking wine again, please. Like you went off your, your you totally went off your protocols that you learned. Let's be honest. And so I went back on the program. So after a month and a half, I went back in and he didn't, the doctor had retested my blood did not tell me my numbers had gone down from 7.1 to 4.65, did not reveal my numbers to me, kept that secret, and then said, well, you know, you're just going to have to take the pills. And I said, you know what? Well, go ahead and prescribe that. So I let him call it in. I never picked it up. I have another session. <laughs> I'm feisty. Did I say that? In, a, in two weeks, okay? And I know because I've been on a 30-day reset plan because I went even deeper. Total reset. No sugar. No gluten. No grains. Like I cut it all out. And I know when I go back in and I get my blood test, he's going to take credit with the pills for that. And I'm going to get a really awesome opportunity to, to show him something different, right? Like I'm very feisty. I think you have to be, you got to challenge the system in a way. And and it's again, going back to the challenging, not saying, and I tell my patients this all the time. I'm like, you should challenge your doctors, including me. I'm like, because you keep me on my toes and make sure I'm speaking my game. I'm keeping my A game strong. And they always go, you want me to challenge you? I don't want to challenge you. I'm like, no, you have to, because like, it, it, what if I say something and I'm kind of, excuse my French, half-assing it. And I don't normally do that, but it could happen. And I'm like, you're going to challenge me to be better. So it helps me be better as a doctor. So I, I appreciate that at the end of the day. But yeah, no, thyroid is one of the biggest things that uh, my mom had hypothyroidism, severe, so bad that doctors were telling her she was going to die if she did not go on the medication. And I looked at my mom, same thing, change your diet. Let's refocus your stress. Let's work on mindfulness. Let's let you're getting under chiropractic care. So I know neurologically you're fine. It's more on the outside of that that we have to look at. And uh, we changed a lot of different things and we got her on iodine, which is some very much needed. And uh, I told her, don't tell the doctor you're doing a lot of this stuff. Not because I'm trying to hide something. It's just, I know their mentality. And my mom being the mother that she, the woman that she is, she's like, well, you know, I just want to let you know, I am taking iodine for the thyroid and this. And the doctor looks and goes, iodine. He's like, that's archaic. That doesn't work. We know that. And I'm going, man, do we read the same physiology books? Because like, there's a gold standard in physiology. It's called Guidance Physiology. It's a huge book over a thousand pages. That is the gold standard of all anyone that going into health, medical, being a doctor, you have to go through this book. And it tells you the physiology of thyroid. And, and one of the things is iodine. It needs iodine. That's how we could take I4 to I3, which is your creates the energy in the body. And so I'm like, she's, there's simple tests you can do to know if you're deficient. And my mom was very deficient. You can also do blood work or what they call iodine loading test. 
uh, where you can take 50 milligrams of iodine and you check your urine for 24 hours. And if you have no iodine in your urine or whatever, you know, you subtract. So let's say there's 20 milligrams of in your uh, urine. That means you need 30 milligrams of iodine because uh, uh, your body is, no, you're taking 30. You need 20 um, because your body's deficient. It needs to get that supplemented. But yeah, it was interesting when you did it, but you did the right thing. And I love what you're doing. Cause I actually try to tell my patients, I don't, I can't tell my patients. So if they're on a drug, I can't tell them yes or no. But what I will tell them is like, if they choose not to, I'd be like, okay, let's, let's focus on what we can do. Go back to your appointment and then see what they say. And then you can empower, you can do it the, your own way. And they feel good about it because then they're empowered, right? They know they have control where you go to the medical doctor, like, and I'm not bashing medicine. Please don't take it that way. It's just the system needs to be revamped. These are not even my opinions. I have medical doctors around me who will say the system has failed. It is horrible. And it needs to be totally changed. These are people, I have friends that are nurses that say the same thing. So this is not just my opinion uh, on the outside. I have friends on the inside who say the exact same thing. And they just say it needs to be an overhaul. We need to look at things differently again, uh, rather than the way we've been doing things. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, self-empowerment is for the patient is the number one pathway. You know, it's like, don't just stop at a a Western medical, right? Like go to a chiropractor, go to a functional medicine doctor, you know, go to go do, you know, there's, there's multiple levels of healing. You know, I know from the energy medicine provides one huge swath of healing, your emotional state and all of that. It's all powerful. So don't leave any rock unturned. Like this is, this is your health journey. So that's what I'm doing, you know? So I'm always like, okay, where am I not speaking my truth? Let's look at that now. You know, (laughs) it's like, where do I need to modulate that? Where do I, where do I need more healing? So this has been so insightful. I really appreciate this, um, you know, your time and the wisdom that you shared and everything that you brought forth on this podcast. I know that your podcast, you talk about a lot of these kinds of topics and the mindful experiment, how to help people be more mindful. I will definitely refer people over there to the mindful experiment. Is there anything else you want to share as a way to get started um, working with you more closely? Yeah, you can go to my website, empoweryrally.com, and you can check everything out there. My podcast is there, all my social handles, Facebook, Instagram. You can get connected in there. You can contact me. I got some free content. Like right now, I'm sharing the first three chapters of my second book, A Walk in the Dark. You can get that access ebook right there off the bat and stuff like that. So you can get everything at my website to follow, see what I'm up to and all that good stuff. Fantastic. And I encourage you all to do that. You know, this is a great resource. If you felt resonant with uh, Dr. Vic and his, his energy and the things that he was saying, trust that, trust that and follow that, you know, because that's going to lead you to the next step. And in the meantime, please like subscribe and share this episode out. Really appreciate you doing that. We need all the help we can to to get these messages out in a system that doesn't really want necessarily all these messages out. So please help to share them out to your friends and family and whoever else might listen. And in the meantime, let's, uh, I'm going to give people kisses. Would you like to join me? (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. Here come the kisses, everybody. Love you guys. See you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show.
Take a sip from the drip of the nectar From the source of who you are